Welcome to another episode of Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Melito-Connors, a PhD-level self-care expert in the greater Boston area with a passion for helping others recognize the importance of caring for themselves. I am honored to welcome dietitian Anna Sweeney to the podcast today. This is truly a special episode for me. I had the pleasure of working with Anna back in 2015 when I was at my proverbial rock bottom with my disordered eating, exercise bulimia, and although never formally diagnosed, anorexia. I was desperate for answers. I had been battling the fat-phobic medical bureaucracy for years, trying to get help, and finally, through sheer force of will, I landed in Anna's office. Anna is a certified eating disorder registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating specialist, and owner of Whole Life Nutrition Counseling in Concord, Massachusetts. She is an expert in the treatment of individuals struggling with eating disorders, disordered eating, and emotional eating. Anna combines her knowledge of the science of nutrition and experience in the treatment of eating disorders with direct, compassionate, and heartfelt care to help her clients realize the pleasures of living a whole life. I owe my recovery to Anna. She held space for me and made it safe for me to let go of all the spiraling and toxic habits I had developed over the years while trapped in diet culture. I did not fully appreciate all that she was doing at the time as it took a while for me to understand and grasp the concepts of what she was teaching me. I had to recognize and unlearn deeply ingrained generational patterns and societal constructs in order to heal. This is where I was first introduced to intuitive eating and health at every size. I will be forever grateful for our time together. Anna also proudly identifies herself as a disabled woman as she lives with a chronic illness. Anna is a recognized public figure on social media where she does not shy away from talking about chronic illness, wellness culture, and how to navigate these tenuous spaces. This truly was a special episode for me, and I hope you will agree. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining me today on the Dr. MC Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I feel like I have a celebrity with me because you are a celebrity and with your massive social media presence, but also your celebrity in my eyes for the time we spent together is something I will always cherish. So thank you. I am so delighted to be here. I don't know how I feel about celebrity, but especially because of like how I know about like you and your shoes and all of the things that make Celebrity status. Well, anyway, I'm just, I am delighted. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you're a celebrity as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. I'll take it. Um, so we're going to dive right in here. I know for myself, when I showed up in your office there about, well, I don't know, six years ago at this point, what I received from you was different than what I assumed I was going to get in terms of the guidance and whatnot that you offered. But it was, I will say, exactly what I needed. So can you tell me just a little bit about your journey and how you became an eating disorder dietitian and an intuitive eating specialist? Sure. So I actually, and I actually think about our journey together, like m- me six years ago is different from the me that I am today. Um, so I'm still grateful, like, you, you know, we're here. I became an eating disorder dietitian 
in response to my sister having developed an eating disorder. And I was taking my sister to the mall. She, her journal was open. She was an avid journaler. And it said, well, I guess I have an eating disorder. And having no personal experience myself, I got her into the car and yelled at her the entire way. You're so beautiful. You're so smart. Everybody loves you. You're so good at sports. Why would you do this? Da, 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 da. Like being, granted, I was 17 years old, 18 years old. I didn't have any idea what I was talking about. And my sister's struggle would go on to inspire and allow for me to enter a field that has blossomed and grown and changed in so, you know, in so many ways. Um, my conventional nutrition training from in college was very, very weight centric and leaving college and being in the greater Boston area, being around, surrounded by a multitude of health at every size practitioners, learning what I learned about intuitive eating, ultimately becoming a certified eating disorder specialist, whatever. But more broadly, um, really, really leaning into the idea that my clients' bodies know more than anything that I have to share. And my job is to be like an accompaniment on, on a journey to food peace. If I do my job well, that is, you know, that's, that's the goal, but I can't believe I've been here 14 years. Like that's, that's wild. I think that's awesome. And it's, I mean, I still remember and use some of the tools, a lot of the tools actually that you taught me, like, as you were just talking, I started remembering how you would say the rule of threes when it came to like a meal or, and what that means is if I remember correctly, was like three different food groups any at any given time and have and then even with snacks and just making sure though really if you don't do that though it's okay and I think that was the piece that was really one of my biggest lessons to learn that it's okay to be hungry and to eat mm. what a concept right and like the the concept of even like hunger cues and even listening to your body I mean this was just this was radical to me in your in your office six years ago, I remember thinking, well, wait, no, I just need you to tell me like, how many almonds can I eat? What can I just tell me what to eat and when and I will do it like that. That's what I was expecting you to do. I wasn't expecting you to turn it around on me and give me that power to decide what and when it's okay to eat and when it's okay not. And then all foods are okay. And there's no bad foods wild it was wild now I understand it but it took a long time and I'm sure this is true for other clients that you've worked with it took a long time to really be able to internalize that absolutely and, and intuitive eating as a paradigm is culture shifting right it's not accessible to everyone and I think about intuitive eating with a lot more nuance than I did even six years ago and I can't know more about your body than you know about your body. I am here to learn with you. And ultimately, everybody who is listening to this podcast, you, me, all of us, we are our own best advocates and our own, like we are the only humans who can possibly know what we need. 
Yeah, we think we're smarter than our bodies, but we're actually not. We need to listen to all those messages that our body is giving us. And if you're willing to slow down and listen, you can learn a lot. What a really beautiful, cool thing that can happen when we move away from judgment, when we move away from like the really noisy, omnipresent thump of diet culture and food rules and like all of the, you know, everything that we've all grown up with and move back inside. Uh, We have so many more abilities to respond to our needs and it's just, there's, there's beautiful room for work to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think we may title the episode move back in to your body. I like that. We'll see. We'll see if we come up with something else as we, as we move through our time together here. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what your self-care routine looks like. Sure. So my body has changed really significantly since I have seen you six years ago. I don't remember. I don't think six years ago, I was even using a mobility aid. I might've been using a cane, but I was probably hiding it. I don't remember. You, you Um, were, you had the cane, but it was here and there. You weren't using a wheelchair at that time. So, and I don't use a wheelchair now either. I I use a walker and I have electro stim devices on my legs to like pick up my feet. And this is evidence of privilege. And I am most grateful for having the ability to continue to ambulate. And that being said, self-care looks, it for me has never been like jazzy. It's never been about getting my nails done. That's (laughs) not really (laughs) self-care. But like, it's never been about any of those things. Uh, And I think for a little while, I kind of tricked myself into thinking that it was for me self-care now and I've found that as I've gotten older I really appreciate silence in a way that I didn't when I was younger certainly as a teen or in my in my 20s like go 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 felt really great for me um and I like I find stillness and I have semi-meditative practices, breathing practices that I do, but nothing, nothing about the way that I take care of myself. And it's so, it's so interesting. Like the lessons of disability have been like, I needed to be in my mid thirties to have all of these things happen. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I don't have a choice, but to slow down. And so giving myself grace to actually go slowly and feel into my body and be more respectful in the way that I respond. Because I certainly, when we were working together, I was pushing through in, in all of the ways Um, and probably pretty bloody successfully. Um, And I, I mean, it was, and the gift of my chronic condition, the gift of my disability is that my self-care is not about stuff. It's about being able to actually sit in quiet and like making sure that I find that, that quiet. I think that that's a stereotype of self-care, the stuff that we, you know, we feel like 
It's mani pedis and expensive spa days. That's like, sure, if you want mani pedis and spa days to be part of your self care, by all means, go for it. But that's not really what we're talking about. Self care is what you do daily, consistently, foundationally. So you show up as the best you possible. So you get in touch with what it is that you need. How do you like to self-soothe? How do you rest? Can you sit with silence? How are you mindful? How do you feed your body? How do you move your body? Oh, joyful movement. That's another thing I learned from Anna six years ago, (laughs) shifting that. And that's one of my biggest mantras now is always five minute dance parties to your favorite Lizzo song. I'm all about it. Oh, whatever music you want to dance to, certainly. But we tend to think that it's That's where self-care gets icky and people think that it's a luxury or that it's selfish because they think about spending all kinds of money on these expensive spa trips or or mani-pedis. And yeah, that's not really it, though. So I love how you how you phrase that and how you do, you know, you have to kind of go slow, but also being okay with that and giving yourself that grace and that self-compassion. That's a huge um, aspect of self-care. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm wondering, I always get asked this and I want to hear it, hear your version of telling this, but can you explain for our listeners what is intuitive eating? I will be as eloquent as I can. Intuitive eating is a set of 10 principles, starting with a kind of a cultural rejection, right? Of, of, diet culture. And for me, this is actually a really big part of the work that I do because we are so embedded and like from, from the womb, we kind of enter the world and anybody who's listening to this podcast, you know, has a device that is flashing diet stuff at them all the time. If that is the way they interact, like interact with the world. And so intuitive eating for me really is about, so we like rejecting the diet mentality being one of the key components, but I really, I think about intuitive eating, acknowledging that it does require a degree of privilege. And I, it's important for me to say that, that intuitive eating isn't accessible to everyone in all of the ways. And it's about trusting our bodies to do what our bodies are, you know, designed to do. It's about reestablishing confidence and comfort, knowing that like our body wisdom has our back and innately our bodies are here to be on our side. And so to me, intuitive eating is about making space for making peace with food, challenging old food rules and doctrines that we have been encouraged to follow for however long. This is about unlearning messages just as much as it is about learning new ones. And again, in this case, and one of the best parts about my job is it's not actually about teaching anyone anything, right? Like I don't know anything about nutrition labels. I don't know. I know very little about nutrition science now at this point in my life, because I took those classes a million and a half years ago. And the whole point of intuitive eating is actually about guiding a person back to themselves, back to having the designation of like expert of body, right? It's not about outsourcing body wisdom. It's about saying, I, I got this. I got me, I got me, I got me, I got me. And this takes practice and patience 
And it can be really, really beautiful when, you know, when the practice is enacted and it just becomes a way of being and a way of interacting with food. But I find that it's much more dynamic than just, than just food, right? It's, it's, it's much bigger than that. It is. And it's, it's so like, if I think about myself too, we're also talking about, you know, not society as a whole kind of pushing this, this agenda, this fat phobia and diet culture and wellness, everything. But also we're talking, at least in my family, you know, and probably others, I'm assuming, and maybe even everybody, generations of this, like um, weight issues in my family go back as far as I know with everybody suffering and not being in tune to their body and really getting engrossed in that diet culture, which is very intriguing. It seems like it's going to be the answer. And it's so sneaky how it's so embedded and so ingrained into just about everything at this point. So it's really unlearning generations of this and uh, historical. Um, it's just it's wild when you start to really unpack it. And I remember to, you know, being in your office and, and beginning to learn these things and thinking, what? Like, what? This is not, this is crazy talk. Like, I can't listen to my body. What does this even mean? What does she mean? No bad foods. Like, this is against, literally against everything I had been taught to believe up until that point. There was something about Anna, though, that let me believe her and trust in her, but also hold space for me to trust myself in that process. And it took a long time. I can't pinpoint exactly like when things started to click for me, but I, it took a couple of years even to realize because you go through almost um, a mourning process when you start to let go of the apps that I was obsessed with and my obsessive meal planning and my obsessive exercising, like to let go of all of those things that were my, what I thought my whole life and what I had to be attached to at all times to let that go and to be okay. It was a grieving process. And then as your body begins to heal from all that restriction, often it's accompanied by weight gain. So that, and that was my experience and that was very difficult to be okay with and to understand. And thankfully, you know, I have a very strong support system and the support of Anna at that time and other people in my life, my mom and my husband mostly, um, but others as well that were like, that could support me in that in understanding. But it, it got, it was rough. Like it took though a long time, I think for me to understand that it was okay. Mm -hmm. So it's really, um, it's wild. And I hope that our listeners find, um, you know, a lot that they can, maybe they're hearing or seeing pieces of themselves, or maybe this opens up some in intrigue for them and they want to go exploring. And I, I highly recommend the intuitive eating book by Evelyn Trivoli and Elise Resch or um, health at every size by Dr. Lindo Bacon. Uh, those are both fabulous. And I, I think what you just talked about, like, so like 85% of bot like outsides of bodies are dictated by genetics. And so we think about like historical, like struggle, you talked about like your families having a hard time with, with their, their body weight for as long as you can remember back. And so 
when you were just speaking to your listeners, I think it is really important for us to really think about like, what were these messages that my parents were sending to me? What were the messages that they received from their parents? Maybe even a generation back. Oh yeah, goes way back. Yeah, and that's a really important thing. Most of our outsides is genetically predetermined. There are some things that we can, you know, modify, but not a whole heck of a lot, at least not in the long run without disorder, to be quite frank. And the idea, and like, so body respect is the kind of updated version of health at every size, which would be the one that Linda would recommend now. Having the ability to kind of ultimately accept, and this can be a really hard process, but accepting one's natural body size gives permission to stop fighting against this thing that is like trying to fight gravity. Like you can want to float and like tough shit. Here we are. <laughs> this is planet Earth. I hope I can say that word here. That's okay. We can put a little, we'll put a little E on this episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know me, Teresa. This is- <laughs> it's all good. Going a little deeper than um, some of the other episodes, which is great. I think it's great. So and it is really hard. And we'll, we'll make sure in the episode notes that all of these resources that we're talking about are linked as well for folks to be able to to follow up with. And I know like even recently, like and it is it is a journey. I can remember, I think it was, oh, I don't know, maybe two years ago at this point, my mom and I were having a conversation and she's, you know, we have a great relationship. I'm able to kind of call her out if I hear any little diet culture things still eeping in there and into her, her thought processes and whatnot. And she has to, you know, she, she's been on this journey as well and has struggled with weight her whole life and body issues and body acceptance and all of that. And one day she was talking and I just kind of looked at her and I said, now you're ready for intuitive eating. And she was, and we had talked about it previously, but I don't think, I don't think she was ready to hear it at that point. And um, so she, she just kind of looked at me and I'm like, yeah, now, now you're ready. And so we kind of, you know, made sure that, you know, she had a copy of the book, or I think she might've logged into my audible to listen to it. And I had her read Dr. Bacon's book as well. Well, health at every size. I don't actually think I've read body respect. I will look at that. I do have her, uh, their newest one radical. Was it radical belonging? Yeah. yeah. Also a great book, but not this. Yeah. So, and kind of, you know, and I love being able to point other people, especially my mom, but of course other people kind of in the right direction, at least to be open to learning about other ways or looking at other potential, I don't know, lifestyles or ways of being with this because, you know, being entrenched in diet culture is not, not a good one. Yeah. And I actually have some other resources that I think I will, I'll add them at the end. I'll tap, like leave them in show notes. Okay. Cool. So I'm sure that um, some folks listening to this, they may also be struggling with with maybe their body or their relationship with food. And so I'm wondering, is there like one piece of advice or one key takeaway that you would offer to our listeners? I think um, this is not a thought. This is a fact. The most common nutrition error, if there is ever to be an error, that I see being made by adults over and over and over and over again, it is not eating enough food. We are a culture that celebrates eating less in a way that ultimately represses metabolic function in some ways. That's not super important to me, but we need food 
to be able to do the things that we do. And I hear people say all the time, like kids are growing, they need to be eating meals and snacks. We might not be growing, but we are still machines. We're still organisms that need food all day long. So my hope for your listeners is that they take away from this, the idea like in the morning time, you have breakfast and then you notice yourself getting a little bit tired around, I don't know, 10 o'clock. For me, I get hangry at 10 and around two, I get tired. And I think back to being in like high school and having a car and getting an iced caramel latte and having that be like, oh, I don't need breakfast. I'm gonna have a latte and like, like caffeine and whatever. And then we move into college or anything that happens after like high school it's so normalized for people to say, I'm so tired, it's two o'clock in the afternoon, let's get a coffee. I invite you to have a snack with your coffee. Your body needs more food than you're probably giving it. And that is like a universal statement. It is not body size specific, it is not diagnostically specific. It is just, we are a culture that prizes not eating and that is effed. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. Not only do we prize not eating, we prize like being busy and being burning the candle at both ends. And that's just, that's the opposite of self-care. You're not listening to your body if that's how you're behaving. And the messages are subtle. Like sometimes it's subtle what your body tells you, but you have to move back in to your body and really listen to the messages that it's telling you. So I know during COVID, Anna, you started uh, virtual connection. Can you tell me about this? This sounds really cool. It is my baby and it's still a thing that's happening. But so I closed my office on a Thursday. I mean, we were all terrified. We didn't know what the heck was happening. And that weekend I decided that it made sense to do something on social media to support people that had eating disorders. I, on Instagram, like say, good morning. Hi guys, happy, whatever, like have a great day. And I've come to like, feel really, I, I, I feel very, very honored to have the following that I do and to actually have the interaction with the following that I have. And I thought about, you know, what my clients were telling me, what they were saying even on the Friday following, you know, everything being locked down, I'm talking to people who are saying, I can't find even my safe food in my grocery store. Mm. They're like, we were all, I couldn't get food delivered to my house. And as a disabled person, that's something that I have taken advantage of. We couldn't get enough hand sanitizer. We couldn't get toilet paper. This like, we didn't know what we didn't know. And I thought that it made sense to create a safe place on the internet for people with eating disorders or recovering from diet culture or whatever, um, or just humans to join me for a snack and I would answer their questions. So at the beginning, a virtual connection was me dialoguing with people in messages as my following grew, 
messages and comments were no longer appropriate. So it, virtual connection was entirely based on questions, it, like direct message questions. So I was answering, generally answering questions about eating disorder recovery, about boundary setting, about diet culture, about navigating wellness messages, about you know, keeping ourselves safe on the internet, just general like health things, all in all under the guise of being a social justice forward and informed practitioner and being really, really thoughtful about the people who, I mean, they, it was kind of a self-selected situation. People chose to join and it's, I mean, it's wild when Instagram allowed, created IGTV and allowed us to save them. I have, I think like about 50 weeks of saved videos in the year and however months it has been, I've missed two weeks. Wow. Um, it, because it is just, it is, it's really, really meaningful to me. It's really important I know, and I say repeatedly, I am not your dietitian, but I am a dietitian. And I speak, I mean, and as you see on Instagram, I speak about my lived experiences. I talk about my many layers of privilege and I feel really, really grateful to have the opportunity to offer some auxiliary support. And it's, I mean, a huge compliment because I have other colleagues that say they watch and they're like, oh, I learned this and I'm going to take whatever. Like, that's amazing. And I, I, I don't think I am a big deal at all, but it is a really big deal to me that people choose to, you know, honor or just choose to interact with me in a way that is vulnerable and really, really important. And virtual connection moved over to Zoom a couple of weeks ago because everybody says monetize not really looking to try to make like up money but so i'm on zoom and that way i can have closed captioning happening live in real time and i can email everything to whoever registered for the session um, it's different i get to actually see the faces of people that I've been talking to for the last year and a half. It is, I mean, it's incredible because I feel like I, I don't know them and they don't, I mean, you kind of know me because I've been just like sitting and talking to my phone <laughs> for a year and a half, eating food and talking, answering questions. Talking very openly and sharing very uh, openly about lots of different topics. I think Anna's Instagram is fabulous. We'll make sure folks know where to find you. So any, this is still going on. So anybody can join. And I, I looked on your website. I think there's a, it's a very small fee, um, for it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking to make a lot of, it's $20 a month and it's helping me pay for web design and helping me to, think a little bit harder about maybe putting together a program because people have been asking for a program and I was supposed to put together a program because we had so much free time in a pandemic, but like I have a full private practice and I will always be a private practice dietitian. So that has not been a high priority for me. 
Well, I think it would be awesome if you do find some free time to do that. But in the meantime, uh, virtual connection sounds amazing. I was actually, it's funny you mentioned that other like practitioners and whatnot have joined when I was reading about our new website. I thought, oh, maybe I'll join <laughs> virtual connection. It looks very cool. Rad. Like it makes me so happy. That's awesome. And I want to ask you one more question before we wrap up, because you say this a lot and I know I mentioned it earlier, but no bad foods and people really bristle when you say that to them, because it's the opposite of what we think, right? We think, of course, there's good foods and bad foods. There's junk food, there's health food, there's clean, clean food, whatever, whatever yucky diet culture terminology people use for it. And I love saying to people, no bad foods. And I know I got that uh, from my time with Anna and have certainly adopted it as my own. And um, so what, tell us a little bit more about that. So firstly, Bodies digest food factually, not judgmentally, right? Like it doesn't matter if you're eating a Twinkie or you're eating like whole wheat bread with peanut butter, like carbs and fat are broken down into carbs and fat. I'm not saying that nutritionally they are the same thing, but when we start putting judgment on food and saying things like, this is a bad food, or I'm so bad for eating this food, or blah, 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 blah. We're giving food a lot more power than it actually deserves. And oftentimes, I will, I've talked to a number of people who talk about, I can't have this in my house, because if I have this in my house, I'm just going to eat this because it's in my house. And if you put that food up on like a sexy food list and say, this is like, these are the foods that I want to eat by myself. I don't want my friends to know that I'm eating. And I like, this is a very special thing that's just between me and that food. Usually those are like the quote unquote bad foods or I'm naughty for eating them. Giving food so much more power than it actually deserves. And if we're able to back out of the judgment around food and just get curious around, you know, what, what would, taste good? And what would it be like to be like, how would I feel after I eat X, Y, or Z food? This takes a lot of practice because this is rejection of what we are taught from the time we are very little. You and I grew up with the food guide pyramid that had at the very top fats and oils used sparingly, right? With a little <laughs> Yep. Dating. I'm dating us right now. And I, I'm, am I correct about that? Yeah. Okay. So it's different now, but like, not really. So the fact that like, the fact is everything can be a part of a healthy, and it doesn't even have to be healthy. You don't owe eating healthfully to anybody. And if we took the power away from food, if we didn't look at food as good or bad or clean or dirty, and just saw it as food, the way that our body digests it, which is just as food. And we're able to tune in a little bit more to like, what does it feel like? How do I feel when I eat this food? And I use this example a lot, like thinking about if there is this bad food that I try so hard to not eat, say, we'll talk about donuts. And I say, okay, so all foods are good foods. And on Tuesday, we're gonna have a donut only day. And that means at breakfast, 
We're gonna have donuts. Like, let's let's go. Dunk it in some donut, but in some coffee. This is delicious. Let's go. And morning snack comes along, and we have some donut holes. And this is so exciting because we've not given ourselves permission to do this. And then at lunchtime, we're like, oh, I get to get a different kind of donut. Maybe I'll have two or three. And we go through the day. And by the time we hit dinner, how do our bodies feel? What, how would you feel, Teresa, if all you did was eat donuts? Not good. I would feel heavy and just, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be craving something other than donuts at that point. <laughs> You'd probably feel tired. You'd probably feel a little bit like, Ugh. like I could, I could do with some, something else. And that's not because, and I just chose donuts here for the sake of this conversation, but it's not because we have judgment about donuts being bad. It's because our bodies naturally want variety naturally they do and so it it's true that if donuts have been on the bad food list for what for however long and donuts are a euphemism for anything that is kind of in the bad food category it's true that in the process of making peace with that food someone might consume them in ways that feel really confirming of their need to be on the list, right? Like if I give myself permission to have this, I'm gonna eat all of this over and over and over again. And it might happen. And then I would still keep asking like, what are the judgments that we're still holding about this food? Because our, our bodies naturally want a variety of different things and everything, everything is nutritious. Whether something is nutritive Right. If, ever, if somebody gives something gives you vitamins and minerals or proteins or carbs, whatever, or something is just high in sugar and gives you quick energy or something tastes so, so good. All of these things are health promoting. Everything matters. Right. Like nutrition and taste are not mutually exclusive things. Food should be it's all, all of it. All food is good food. There's no such thing as bad food. It's just a bloody waste of time. Absolutely. No such thing as bad foods. And I think about that. That really resonates with me because I think back to when I, before I came to see you and some of the patterns that I had was living in and the struggles that I was experiencing with my eating disorder, having, I used, I used to give food power. I would ban foods for periods of time and then all that happened is then I just craved it and then when I finally got my hands on it I would over indulge in it not because my body like because I gave it that power and when you give food power like that then you just want more of it and I actually this is a testament to how far I've come the other day I was placing a, an order for groceries and I wanted chocolate and so I went, I was, I use Instacart and grocery delivery. I've been doing it before the pandemic, before it was trendy. Um, it was something I started doing, which is um, a wonderful service. But anyway, I bought a bag of little mini Kit Kats and little mini peanut butter cups. No big deal. Yeah. They've been sitting on my counter, just hanging out. I've eaten a couple here and there. My husband's eaten a couple, but I'm not, as I used to say back when I would see you, Anna, I know I used to say this to you, I would vacuum through it. If that had been, that had been six years ago, that bag of candy would be gone by now. I'd be 
beating myself up about it. I'd be over-exercising. I'd be trying to restrict and compensate in other ways to make up for that, that terrible digression of eating all that chocolate. And it just was, oh my God, such a, a vicious cycle to really be caught up in. So I hope that, you know, folks listening may hear this and think maybe start to think about how they behave and how how they label food as certain things and maybe um, they'd be willing to take the steps towards a different mindset around food oh, I'm so delighted to hear that <laughs> I have the same wish for everyone here yeah thank you so is there anything else Anna that you'd like um, our listeners to know I think this has been a really comprehensive conversation and I so, so, so appreciate it. Um, and I really hope that the people who are listening to this podcast think about, and, and I invite them to think about the way they interact with food and the way they choose to nourish themselves or move their bodies. However, like this, these are very, very basic but also very challenging parts of self-care. We are not talking about manicures. We are not talking about elaborate things. You have permission to eat food that is delicious. You have permission to eat food for the sake of vitamins and minerals. You just have permission to eat. And I wonder what it feels like to have a dietitian say that to you. You can eat. And I think you should eat more universally. Everyone listening to this call, <laughs> I feel really strongly about that. You should eat and you should eat more than you think that you should. If you are, if you have a kid and they are eating more food than you, this is a problem. Hmm. Unless you're dealing with like an adolescent in a growth spurt that maybe you don't need to quite what they knew, but but generally speaking, <laughs> generally speaking, we don't eat enough. We don't eat enough. And then we get castigated at doctor's appointments mm. or bodies changing, which bodies do change, right? This is the nature of having a body is that it's like this thing that evolves and it, it's, it's appropriate. Bodies are supposed to change. It is unfortunate that we live in a culture that condemns body change in one way and celebrates body change in another uh, so uniformly. Again, body diversity is a norm. And this is where going back to body respect as a really great reference, anti-diet by Christy Harrison as a really great reference. Even the, what's Christy Harrison's podcast called? Oh, uh, Food Psych. Food Psych. Like, the, so I can't believe I just did that. That's okay. Uh, I learned that from you six years ago. <laughs> food, there are so, food psych. Um, oh, there's a new one that is so, 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 so good. Um, it is not on my brain, but I will get it to you after when I think about it. We are at a point in the world where there is a discussion. There, there is a shift, right? There's a difference in the noise. And we saw this in the pandemic. We saw a change, like diet culture took two weeks to repackage itself and then start lying to us about um, anti-inflammatory things or like build your immune boosting foods as though like we want boosted immune systems. But 
the number of people who are looking for clean eating went way, way up. And the amount of concern of like, what's going to happen to my pandemic body? Like, hopefully you survive it. Like that's an, that's a nice outcome. And now I'm like really all over the place because I could just keep going. going, going. <laughs> well, that's okay. I think there's a lot of key takeaways there in what, what you're saying. Okay, but I'm just going to go back. If you're a grown person, you're invited to eat every single day, multiple times a day, and you need more food, probably. And she says that with a smile. <laughs> No, I know. And I remember what it was like to have a dietitian look at me in her office and say those things to me. And I remember thinking, what? Like, no, just tell me how many calories I can have a day. Like, just tell me how many whatever's and I don't know. <laughs> That's not how it works. No, it was, it was earth shattering for me to have, it was life changing, I guess is a better way of putting it. And it, it really was. And I mean that, Anna, I, I I can't thank you enough for um, the time we spent together. I very much appreciate it. And I know I've said that. And I, I also introduced this episode as a very special episode to me. So where um, I want to make sure folks can find you. So where on social media and your website and where can we connect? I am on Instagram more than I should be. Um, and I'm at dietitian Anna. And I think that's a great place to start. My website is, is linked there. Anyway, I am not your dietitian on Instagram and I have a full private practice in Massachusetts. So I'm not taking new clients, but I'm so excited. I'd be so excited to hang out with you on the internet. <laughs> well, or but people can still perhaps do virtual connection, even if you're not. Oh, yeah. look at you hyping my So stuff. there's ways, there's ways that we can connect, even if she's, because she did just say she's not taking new clients, which is um, exciting. That means that the practice is full, <laughs> but um, there are still other ways to connect. She does share a lot of really valuable tips on Instagram. So that's fabulous. So thank you so much, Anna. I am so grateful for the time you spent with us today. And I'm sure our listeners will find this episode very valuable. Sure hope so. It was lovely to see you. I'm so grateful to be here. This was such a special episode for me. Reconnecting with Anna and sharing more about my journey and recognizing how far I've come is truly a gift. This episode was jam-packed with lots of information. I hope you found it valuable. Feel free to listen to this episode more than once as there is a lot of information to process. Everything Anna shared is so, so important for everyone to understand, especially if you struggle with your relationship with your body and food. Also, we did mention a couple of books by Lindo Bacon. This interview was recorded back in October, and since then, some information has come to light regarding their work. Lindo Bacon's work in this arena has provided a very one-sided perspective. They are not the creator of the Health at Every Size, H-A-E-S, or Hayes movement, and their interpretation is not inclusive. I have provided some additional links and books to check out for more information and for a more inclusive perspective in the episode notes for you as well. I encourage you to learn about the Hayes Movement from the creators, the Association of Size, Diversity, and Health, ASDAH. You can also learn more about the current circumstances regarding Lindo and the harm they have caused this community on the ASDAH website. But thanks for listening to this episode. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on your preferred player. The ratings help us grow and share the message of self-care. 
If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, reach out directly by emailing podcast at drmcselfcare.com. That's drmcselfcare.com. And come join the cast party at Dr. MC Self-Care Cabaret on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self-Care or on my website, drmcselfcare.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and love me across all my social media platforms for the most up-to-date information on self-care. See you next time. Stay well and do good. Hi again. This convo was so good that we ended up continuing to chat after the initial interview was over and the tape was still rolling. So please keep in mind this was more casual at this point when Anna and I were chatting. So there is some explicit language used and specific eating disorder behavior mentioned. So please keep that in mind if anyone else can maybe hear this that you're listening to. But please enjoy this bonus conversation between Anna and me as it provides more depth to these important topics. All right. Cool. And we can, um, I don't know, Jeff's saying that this might, he may split this into a two-part episode. All right. I'm very, very, very loquacious, Jeff. I don't shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, it was good. You being quiet, that's not going to help us at all. I know. I know. I didn't invite you on here, Anna, because you... <laughs> I am not quiet. I haven't gotten more quiet in the time that we have been apart. No, now she has a bigger audience. She's only gotten louder. <laughs> No, I love it. And it's, imp- it's important. And I wish like I could just scream it from the rooftops and like, you'd, you'd be so proud. Like the advocacy that I do now, like I don't take any shit. Like if I got, if I go into a room and I'm like, I need a chair without arms. I'm like, I speak up because I know that 
I am, I can be a voice for those who don't have a voice. And there are people that aren't able to do that. So I'm going to do that. Amen. <laughs> and but. and I even I pushed my mom to do it too. We recently went to a doctor's office and um there was no seating without arms and I could not sit in those chairs. I didn't fit. And I actually went up to I the woman was like, "Oh, you can sit." I go, "No, actually I can't." And she just kind of looked at me. I go, "I don't fit in these chairs. Do you have a chair without arms?" "Oh, we don't. We should probably get one." "Yeah, you should." Because I doubt I'm the only, I know my mother also comes here and she doesn't, she doesn't fit in the chairs either. So ridiculous. And I, I had to do it at my job where my boss, I was like, she had these little tiny armed chairs that she expected me to sit at. And I was like, any chance we have um, any armless ones? She was able to get them. Not a big deal. doesn't have to be, you don't have to be, you know, crazy about it or rude about it, but you do have to speak up. Yep. I've done it in no. theaters. <laughs> that's, that's huge it is and I actually think about that in terms like well obviously you are a Broadway gal but like thinking about like access particularly in an old city like Boston like nothing is built for even like normal shaped bodies no no even somebody that's very tall I mean like they may be you know, tall and lanky, they may, their knees hit the, hit the front and it does like, they can't fit. Like it's wild, but I've had to, um, you know, it was this one theater we went to a few years ago and I was like, this is a problem. And yeah. so I'm like, that's all right. I used to work in a theater. I know they hold seats down front. I know they have to have ex other accessible seating. Um, so we're just going to find the house manager. <laughs> and I did. And I very politely said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I cannot sit up there not a problem taken care of so next time you don't even say i'm really sorry you well right say, that's true <laughs> <laughs> that's true show me, show me to the accessible seats thank you so much yeah no i know it's hard it's and it's it's it, you know i feel very privileged and grateful that i am able to use my voice and speak up and i want to do more of that too as time goes on do you talk about that on your podcast accessibility using your voice we haven't not yet we haven't necessarily <laughs> we are still recording though so if there's clips from this we can always use them but this and this maybe isn't a this is not necessarily a conversation with me but like if there are other fat people who listen to your podcast having and is like having listening to a person talk about making space for her own body that is powerful yeah and you obviously are a fucking force <laughs> and I, like I say that because I know you and not everybody's going to be able to you know be as assertive as as right. you can be um in your Louboutins <laughs> I don't actually wear my Louboutins anymore you know I still have them collecting dust in the closet but tell them I know. So I know everybody's back is happy to not have those. Well, now but I actually wear things that like are comfortable. Thank you. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> Nobody's got time for that. Um, yeah, no, it's just, there is something I think really, really powerful. And I like, and this is now I'm just talking to you. Like I think about 
the way that you were so good at your job and organizing people for like when you would do those big, I want to call them like symposiums. Yeah, the big annual conference. Right. And like, like you just got, you just got stuff done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I am delighted that you have, I mean, this, like what you would call the, I don't know, like a pet project or some auxiliary source of side hustle right, right now. now, but, and I, but I really hope that it can be more than a side hustle. And I think part of more than the side hustle can be about you encouraging and welcoming people to take up space and like telling them how you do that. Right. No, because you're right. This is a, this is a, like a human rights thing. Mm -hmm. This is about social justice for all bodies. And the fact is there are plenty of humans who live in fat bodies and don't do things right. because of the bodies they live in. Right. And that, and like, this, I'm so weird. I don't, I'm not trying to compare, but like in, from a disability perspective, thinking about when I'm in the world, like in my wheelchair, I take up really different space than I would have if I'm just like a person walking around and people are not awesome. Mm -mm. And so, and like, they are more awesome because I'm thin and pretty and white than they would be if I were none of those things. But like you, you should be like a force here. Like we should know you. We should know you in like the eating disorder community. We should know you in the Hayes community here. Like I actually really fervently think that. Like I think, are you on the Boston Fatties Facebook group? Like you should be running shit because <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm on Reagan Chastain's group. I think it's Fit Fatties. Awesome. Yeah, 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 and Reagan's like, like Reagan's amazing. We were texting yesterday. Um, no, I I, I love her, and I love when she talks about too. Like when you talk about privilege, like I, I when I hear her talk about having like personality privilege, like yeah. she was the first one to really conceptualize that for me. I'm like, oh, I have that privilege actually. Oh, you, oh, oh yes, <laughs> you do. Oh yes, you do. And so you having personality privilege gives you, I mean, you can do anything you want to do. But I think there's something really powerful about, I mean, even maybe like the evolution of your willingness to take up space and ask, ask for mm. the space that you so rightfully deserve. Um, Cause like hearing you talk about like not going, like this, you remember like before your wedding and your fucking double session exercise classes and triple like, some days yeah i know it but was bad. And like i know about you get like still having like punch cards that like you had classes wanted to figure out how to finish them and it just like it, you know, this, is your body. this is your body and you deserve to be here and you deserve to be in all of the places and you just taught me something new that there are always different seats in other places in theaters they have to i, I think like I, I think it's like a rule like it's probably part of ada really that they have to a house manager even if it's a sold out house 
a house manager always has an ace in their pocket and the ability to change seating. That's my understanding. Um, and I know that from when I was a box office manager at a small regional theater in Massachusetts, like you have, cause you have to, because what if somebody shows up in a wheelchair to buy a ticket at the, like, you can't turn them away. So, you know, rightfully so they, they have to have something. So that show we were at, it was at the Chevalier in Medford. The theater was horrendously tiny. I don't even know if Jeff truthfully could have sat in the balcony seats that we had originally purchased, but I'm like, it's all right. We're going to go talk. I'm going to talk to the house manager. He was very kind. And um, even if he wasn't, he, best interest to be kind. But um, they ended up moving us. We were like in the fifth row orchestra, like in folding chairs. Like we were fine. <laughs> no big deal. I, I think. Like, I just I think that's really cool. Like, because Reagan talks about doctor, like doctor's offices and you know, like that. And sure but like the face that you just made like you have your stories i know no i know and i you're actually not the first person to tell me like to 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 talk more about this stuff and when i think even about how i got to you with that that doctor that horrible nurse practitioner person and that she was like oh you've done all this and you still just can't lose the weight and then she says too bad you couldn't take fat pills like if i had been somebody else that could have killed me like that could have been the last like I could have gone off and done something even more dramatic and drastic than I had was already doing and disclosing to this woman what I was doing and abusing laxatives and exercising to the point of like ridiculousness and that was her answer like lady if I had been somebody else like that could have that advice would have ended my life thanks I think that you're right. (laughs) And I I think, I mean, you have such an effervescence, Teresa. And like, if you, if you want to talk about advocacy, like, and the things that you've had to navigate, like your listeners want to hear that because you're not the only person and Reagan doesn't have exclusive rights to those stories and like there are plenty of other fat activists on the internet that are talking about life in fat bodies and eating disorder advocacy and all of that stuff but like you you just have a sparkle well thank you it's not I mean it's like (laughs) well and I I also I also have the cred. I mean, one of the reasons why I went to get those fancy letters after my name is that I didn't want anybody to have a look at me and be like, what is this broad? No, she knows a lot. So, right. <laughs> so, so use, use the, the letters and the, the thing that came way before the letters. It just like, this is, this is really fucking cool. And I really, I like, I, I am in my brain turning over and I don't want to we can think about this on another time when we're not actually recording and involving Jeff I'm sorry Jeff. Stop uh, no he's I'm fine so right now people generally hire me and it's mostly been schools hire me to come in or like do a virtual workshop on self-care so I teach people like 10 domains of self-care and we do deep breathing and, and I'll talk I really don't get in those workshops I I don't really get into anything controversial like intuitive eating which can you know I told you that woman accidentally unmuted herself <laughs> and like so I tend to but then we talk about I also talk about 
I do growth mindset workshops. I do trauma, resilience, self-care and self-care workshops and um, just all sorts of different topics uh, really related to self-care. But honestly, like what I'm selling at this point, like I'm still figuring that out. Like me, it's me. I'm selling me. But I also like on my blog, I share like recipe, like I've done some original recipes and I do, um, I've done plus size fashion advice. I've done, um, and then the podcast is kind of a, a newer thing. I'm still kind of trying to figure out like where the, the niche really is. Yeah. And, and like, I don't, I don't have any specific feedback. I'm just thinking like the number of humans, you before we met, were you di- like, had you been treated for an eating disorder? No. Okay. Like that by itself is a really significant thing. That's a problem. And that's not like, you're not by yourself. No. And you know why? I mean, and I know why you taught me why, because my body didn't fit the stereotypical look of a, um, someone with an I eating heard- disorder. Or someone with anorexia, truthfully. And when you... Starving person. Huh? A starving person. Yeah. And when... So I was celebrated for my efforts. Nobody nobody told me I was doing anything wrong. Of course not. And that, like... I remember you saying that to me, too, and being like, what? What are you... Oh, my God. And then realizing, like... Yeah, I was featured on Transformation Thursdays. And, and like, you know... Oh, <laughs> i know and like all the crazy but i mean i didn't know and we're talking generations of of men and women in my family also like celebrate you know buying into that mentality and whatnot and i can see that this would be like really soul fulfilling Mm. oh no like i love it like talking to you right now like this is this has been wonderful like i'm so grateful to, to even have this connection with you again I mean, like, this is your passion and education. Right. Bring it to people. Right. I feel like I'm on the cusp. Like, we're gonna, like, (laughs) it's gonna, like, it's gonna happen. Like, really cool things have have already happened. I mean, I would, I want this, I'm done with the bureaucracy of public school. Like, I've only been in this role now for, this is the third school year. And it's just, I can do so much more on a much larger scale. And I know that, like, I know that in my soul and like the, the, it's just, I mean, I know I'm making an impact. Like the kids I work with, the special ed kids, the out of district kids, like the most vulnerable, the most heavily involved. Like I know on a small scale, my work is impactful, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I bring more than that to, to life. I'm glad that you know that. No, and I do. It's just, it's really, it's difficult. And actually, you'll like this. Nike reached out to me to um, lend my advice to a a blog article that they were posting. And so I was like, okay. So I answered their questions and I'm cited in the article, which is pretty cool. But then they reached out to me and I'm going to be on their podcast in um, a couple of, I don't know, I think in November. And I'm like, what they're like yeah well we've had we've had michael b jordan and lebron james and we thought you'd be great on this i'm like i'm the third after those two okay okay (laughs) there is cool stuff a stirring right 
Okay. Well, and even when it comes to even when it comes to self care, like you, I think you you kind of said, and I didn't, I was meant to go back to it, but you were talking about like, um, like people don't start taking care of themselves until like we need to start younger. And like, I love when I see things for like younger generations, like mindfulness Barbie or breed with me Barbie, or like, so it's like, it's cool. Like we're not teaching kids to breathe and to be mindful. No, we're teaching them go, go, go and restrict and be crazy. And so like, usually it's not until somebody's faced with a health issue or they're facing their own mortality because they're getting older that they then start to realize, crap, maybe I should be taking care of myself. Right. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to keep you in my brain. And I have to say something to you before we get off the phone, because this is a thing that I talk about every, like a lot of times when I talk about mindfulness, I talk about your Seinfeld episode. Oh, what? Watching Seinfeld during eating? Watching an episode of Seinfeld and then making a decision about having more food. Oh, (laughs) you know, what's funny. We just recently redid a a rewatch of Seinfeld. And I was thinking of this this morning. I was like, I think the last time we watched it was when I was working with Anna. Yeah. Well, I don't no, know. I don't think we watched it again in the middle. It would have been then probably. But you were watching it. And that was like the way that we p- applied mindful eating mm-hmm. was like, okay, make what you want and then watch an episode. And if you still want food. Right. Afterwards. Go have more, go have more food. Um, yeah. So I talk about, I, that's so funny. I love that. I'm going to now start using that as an example. <laughs> I forgot about that. It actually is your example. So you can, because you, we like, that was one that we did together. It's yours. That's so fun. No, I remember that. That was awesome. I remember very, almost everything you said. (laughs) I remember a lot. And I hope that you have all of the Tiffany's ever. So much Tiffany's. And I, I use hashtag posh as fuck posh AF. That was you. You coined that for me. (laughs) Because you are. Because you are. Oh, my God.